I think like Samba is the embodiment of that thing of there are no small parts. Like he really has made Roach into such a well-rounded, like realized character. And his physicality is so dynamic. His eyes, like what if it bleeds? And it's just, <laughs> I also like, that was what I was. The gonna delivery say. is so good. The delivery of that line is just like chef's kiss. This is episode two of the Our Flag Means Fan Fiction podcast. The joy we are experiencing right now is brought to you by the good people at Astroglide Personal Lubricant. Give, let's give Astroglide a hand. They really made the week. I'd just a- like to point out that you said, let's give Astroglide a hand. <laughs> just in case listeners aren't sure what we're talking about. Um, and feel free, you guys, to give additional context uh moosh on twitter tagged astroglide in a number of tweets related to our flag means set they were all increasingly hilarious uh and then finally astroglide tweeted feeling like i need to go watch our flag means death that account began interacting with the fandom then squishables and odyssey toys joined in astroglide then held uh our flag watch party uh they live tweeted the show there were so many memes they were so uh hilarious and there were plenty of fix tagged and Astroglide uh, was what then made the cast and David Jenkins start interacting with us again. On Instagram, they started sharing screenshots. It was a stroke of genius, which <laughs> just shows. <laughs> it was a pretty slick choice. We all felt, I think, the mood shift from this feeling of where, where originally last week it was David Jenkins could only like blink twice if there is a chance for season three to be picked up by a streamer. And now going into this week, he tagged some actual streamers. There's like this whole fan momentum and we really, you know, the night changed. I'm also really happy with how well episode one went. People are actually listening to the show, which is hugely surprising. I really thought I was just making this for my own entertainment and, uh, Con O'Neill, the iconic Con O'Neill, shared the podcast with which helped it get out to our audience and fans. And he might now officially have the title of the greatest human of all time. Uh, thank you, Con. And thank you, everyone who's been listening to the pod, sharing the pod, liking the pod, making posts about the pod. I think this might be the beginning of something really great. And I am prone to going into the Delulu land and I'm like thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if like this podcast just kept going and got some clout and maybe I could interview members of the cast. I don't know. I'm just saying. Let's introduce our co-host. I'm joined this week on the podcast by my OG publishing friend, Rosie, YA author of Tarnished Are the Stars, Fire Becomes Her, The Meaning of Pride, and Life is Strange, Steph's Story. Rosie was also my first person to flail with me about our flag and uh, the first person to share our flag fan fiction with me. Uh, Rosie, do you remember what drove you to start watching the show for the first time? I'm going to be honest. I think it was the sequence in episode eight. I'd seen a clip 
of the uh the chain the whole that whole sequence yeah and it was some of the most impressive like musicality within like like i had i had seen on like television it was it was like the motions that they were making it felt like a dance and i come from a dance background and i remember watching that and just being so floored by the coordination and just the musicality of the moment and then at the very end with the little foot touch i'm wearing a sweatshirt with a foot touch something to me um, I had this moment of, oh, the gay pirate show everyone's talking about is like gay gay. Like, <laughs> we're not, this isn't a supernatural situation. This is like, <laughs> we're actually doing this. And uh, I immediately like, just contacted every single person that I know in my life and was like, who has an HBO Max subscription? <laughs> um, so that I can, I can get in on this and immediately started watching it. Um, so it was it was before the finale, but it was it was uh, right up there near the end. That's amazing. So you fell in love for the cinematic quality of it. It's which never is... been that's never been something I've cared a whole lot about. Like, yeah, if, if, a, if a show is pretty and like well made, that definitely makes it better. But I've always been about like characters and writing and, and making sure that, you know, like I'm actually enjoying what's being put on the screen. But I do I do think that having a really um dramatic or impactful musical moment uh can really make or break a show like I can think of like other shows where a a moment where I can I can hear the music as Mm -hmm. a really powerful moment is is happening and I think this is an example of like one of the most effective ways of using music in a show and I was immediately like okay well this clearly has something cool to say I'm excited about it watched just binge watched the entire thing in a day then watched it again like the same day (laughs) and uh, experienced the uh, like rewriting of my DNA, and like I, I felt like my brain chemistry was changed. It, it was, it was really magical, and I think, I think a lot of us had that experience. Also on the pod is Tony. Uh, Tony, I think, is responsible for single-handedly ending the strike uh, because Tony was with me on the picket line at Warner Brothers on the very last day of the strike, and Tony gave me a pendant. That is my favorite pendant of all time. It says Woken Gay. A few hours later, it was announced that the strike was over. So I think that pendant was absolutely magical. Um, Tony is a jewelry maker and a fan. Tony, how did you get into the show? I came to it via gift sets on Tumblr. I hadn't seen it. I didn't have any access to HBO Max. I was hearing vague things about a gay pirate show and then started seeing the gift sets and was like oh it's taika and it's reese and i enjoy their work maybe i should give this a try we binged it in one day and i think we went back and we watched it the next day and we both were just so hooked on that first season and it was just so good also joining us this is very very special that this happened to all come together we have randy who's bong bing bong on AO3, who is definitely the most prolific roach writer of all time. Uh, you ha- you are also, Randy, incredibly prolific just as a fic writer. You have not just our flag, you have 103 our flag fics, but you also have Star Trek, Evil Dead, Reanimator, Jaws, Magnum PI. Um, you have one collection that's 260,000 words. How do you do it? You're doing um, a lot of work I think out like there. when when the brain rot gets you, you just like, you know what? Actually, no, I'm gonna blame Irene, who's also no. here. 
Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair is, enough. I think like when you're writing just kind of like for yourself or you're writing like in a fandom or whatever, it can sometimes feel a little bit like you're just flinging things out into the void. Um, and especially because I tend to write stuff for like lesser known characters or like lesser known properties or lesser known ships. Um people don't usually engage that much with the stuff that I write, but when you have someone that collaborates with you and you talk about the stuff you want to write, it does kind of like make you want to do it more. And so because I just like am in Irene's DMs all the time being like, what if they did this? Um, I think that has really just made me more interested in like getting those ideas out there regardless of like who else kind of is out there reading it. And I, Irene, as you mentioned, Irene is also joining us, who's also a prolific roach writer. And you're, you do a lot of beautiful fan art, Rizzy fan mm-hmm. art. So tell us about uh, how you got into the show. I got into the show. So I'm not a person that watches stuff alone. I'm the type of person that will watch a show six years after it aired. And I'm like, shit, why didn't I watch it earlier? Um, but I was a little bit in like the Hannibal Twitter fandom. And suddenly, like, it happened in one day. Suddenly, everything was pirates. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. What is this? I took, like, a a test. I was like, which pirate are you? It was intriguing. I was like, okay. And so it just so happened that I had timed it that I was traveling with a friend. And so we were like, oh, what are we going to watch while we're traveling? And we ended up just watching the show. And how how did you need to know which pirate are you? Yeah, which pirate? I was I was Edward the first time, which was oh. very interesting. I got I only one day. Show. Good. Oh, yeah, That's a good one. yeah. I on last week's episode, uh, Carly, you were talking about uh, the character's star signs. Yeah, and you mentioned that Olu might be a Capricorn, and when you did, I was like shouting in my kitchen, like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> I'm also a Capricorn, and I was like, "That's right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rosie is like the most organized. Uh, I- I'm so impressed by Rosie's ability to just like do life normally like a person. That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I will say my ability to do life took a real nosedive when this show came out and all <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do was read fan fiction. And then all I did was read fan fiction for like several weeks. So yeah. I'm going <laughs> on a good like like uh, six months of uh, just like yeah. all I read is fan fiction the last yeah, we all go through it so. it's a yeah it's a process Irene how did you and Randy meet so I read Randy's work before we met somebody had posted so on Twitter Irene they were like thought. yeah um and then we met in a discord server we met in the Rizzy server I think oh and there so- is a Rizzy server see th- th- I'm learning so many yeah. things now this is amazing and also joining us is our other co-host Lacey and Lacey was here last week Lacey is a brilliant journalist and is currently eating at the moment. But Lacey, I am really impressed uh, because I pulled up on Twitter Michelle Hurd's interview where Michelle Hurd is saying everything that's going on right now. You recorded that interview back in November, but like everything that's going on right now with streamers dropping really, really good shows after only two seasons, like you were covering that story back in November. Um, I've, it's an eight minute long interview with her where we talk about the strike, obviously, and then streaming. She was talking about the phenomena of streamers canceling successful great shows after two or three seasons. And the reason they do that is they kind of just use new content as 
a shiny um, object. Let me actually uh, run the clip because I have the clip right here. These people seem to, they told us in the room that audiences only want 10 episodes. They told us that. But we only want 10 episodes. And then they also said that they cancel things after two and three seasons because that's when the eyes, the eyes on streaming platforms end up sort of leaving. Like, you know, you could cancel your, your, uh, your subscription to something because your favorite show ended. So you're like, I'm out. And so they said, because of that, we cancel things now and we bring up a new thing so that every time there's a new thing, we generate more subscribers. So they're thinking that unless there's a new shiny object, people won't stay watching a show on a, a certain platform. That's not true. If it's a successful show, if it's a show that we all love, I mean, how many of the sh these series have you watched that are really good? You get to the third season, it's still really good, and then it's over. And they literally are doing that because they're looking, you know, they're getting ready to draw some new shiny object to make sure that you don't leave the platform. If we as a, as a body, people who watch show, television, can let the, you know, let the platforms know that you want longer seasons, you want more episodes, let them know because they're telling us that you guys don't want that. I was just thinking, you know, back in the day in uh, West Wing world land, we used to have 22 episodes of the West Wing. And how many se how many seasons of the West Wing did we have? Like we have eight, seven. seven seasons, 22 episodes. Could you imagine if we had seven seasons and 22 episodes of Our Flag Means Death? I'd be very happy be so happy i would yeah. i would never leave that streaming platform i would just keep it on forever well i mean um like irene and i have been watching episodes of star trek lately just for something else to have a look at and we've kind of been struck by the you know 20 something episode season and also 45 minute episode runtime because you've got like in terms of setup you've got a similar size crew um, and it means that you've got episodes kind of like focused on, say, like one character or you've got a B plot that actually explores like because Our Flag Means Death has such incredible background characters that like especially in season two just like didn't get like any kind of um, arc you know, any stuff that they did in season one was kind of just ignored or like, you know, cast to the side and, you know, wonderful characters, wonderful backstories, wonderful representation that suddenly just like didn't have enough time because they couldn't fit it into the episodes that they had. And it was such a shame and watching Star Trek and seeing all of these minor characters get really beautiful arcs or really beautiful standalone episodes um, kind of made us almost like mourn for what we could have had, like in terms of, you know, yeah, exactly. that cost a bit yeah. further. I really feel that. I Which, really think like how much would we have benefited from getting like, if, for example, in season two, obviously we're dealing with a truncated budget and we have, we have, uh, you know, less, fewer episodes, but I'm just thinking about like episode six, where we get to see Izzy really shine and sing, and like, there's a really wonderful Wee John moment there. Like, how great would it have been to have an episode like that that really let every single one of the crew shine individually? Like, it would be amazing to have a Roach-centered episode. Well, we're manifesting. We're manifesting. Yeah. We are going to get picked up by the best streamer who is going to be like, yeah, we're going to give you 10 episodes and we're going to do uh, seven more seasons of this. And honestly, it's sad, though, that we're even like begging for 10 episodes when really like 
why why can't we have 22 episodes like we yeah. used to have Carly, I was going to challenge you to uh, identify who the best streamer is. And then you kept talking and I was like, clearly the best streamer is whoever does that. Yeah, <laughs> whoever. The- and the thing is that streamer, you will have the most fervent, loyal demographic of people. We will, if you save our flag, we will never leave you. Uh, which brings us to the Our Flag uh, weekly roundup of all the news that has happened this week. Oh, I forgot to introduce myself. By the way, I'm Carly Heath. I'm a writer in Los Angeles. And this is the Our Flag Means Fan Fiction podcast. This show is all about positivity, creativity, unseriousness, and ideas being generated. My intention is that after you listen to the show, your brain will be exploding with hundreds of new creative ideas, and you'll dive into your writing or art or whatever you're doing with a whole lot of fervor and excitement. And if you aren't a writer, this podcast will hopefully rekindle your love for the greatest series of all time. Uh, so our our flag weekly roundup of news and feel free to jump in you guys with any other further details. But things started turning around in a big way. Remember last week was all David Jenkins could do is blink twice. But on Tuesday at uh, HBO Max CEO Casey Bloys called on gay Twitter to support another show that was not our flag. I'm not going to mention the show because people's livelihoods depend on shows. And I don't want to ever disparage another show. This is all about positivity. And it did not go over well. Later, speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Bloys said, Max, this was the first time that it was said Max would be supportive of our flag moving to another streamer. That was a huge moment because that's where things really started to turn around. And then on uh, the 17th, the GLAAD nominees were announced and it was very interesting. What was Max's response? Silence, uh, because our flag was among the GLAAD nominees. And uh, on the 18th, the following day, David returned to Instagram. He posted a Restarby thirst trap, which I believe a number of earthquakes happened that day because as soon as people saw it, they plummeted to their knees. I'll just say this. <laughs> Restarby's thirst trap selfies. He knows how to wield his power. Uh, and what was interesting along with that that post, which would get everyone's attention, was the song I Am a Man by Joe Bryath. Is that how you pronounce it? But uh, the crew did some digging. There was this whole backstory on Wikipedia with this artist continuing even when the funding had been pulled. Things really started moving forward then on the 19th, the day after we did the billboard, the plane flyover, the billboard truck. And David took to Twitter to tell us that he was proud of us and he was feeling the love. And the mood definitely lifted because yesterday, that was January 20th, David posted a selfie in front of the billboard that specifically tagged Netflix, Apple, and Amazon, mentioning the possibility of season three and beyond. Now there's memes, tweets, and everyone is tagging those specific streamers. The 24th, 25th, and 26th of January are days astrologically that I'm looking at as we might get 
even more news about the possibility of a future for the show. Let's switch to Roach. So an interesting thing about Roach is that he doesn't have much of a backstory. So I'll start with Randy. What do you think Roach's, what's your like headcanon of Roach's backstory, like where he comes from? So like he doesn't have a backstory like verbally, but there's actually a lot that goes into like his character design that kind of hints at what his background is. So, um, for example, he's got the tattoos, which are like traditional Amazia tattoos um, from kind of like Northwest Africa. Um, so that kind of like pinpoints around where he's from. Um, and Samba said that he's from Northwest Africa, like not specifically from a country because Samba's from uh, Mauritania, but that didn't exist in the 1700s. So like you can't really say roaches from Mauritania. It wasn't a country. Um, and so you kind of like know kind of where he came from. Um, Samba has also said some stuff in interviews as well about Roach having um, like left home as a young boy and gotten on a ship and learnt how to cook from like ship hopping to um, ships from different countries, which is why he knows how to make like tapas and, you know, various other things. He's a great baker. Um and has also said that, um, like, in the past he hasn't had a great time on a lot of those ships either, which is why um, the roach sort of, like, symbolism is of his, like, continued survival. So he's a survivor. Mm. Um, he can survive anything. And he's got the wrist tattoo of the fly as well um, to kind of, like, signify his survival out of spite, which I really like about his character. He's also got a sash that he wears, um, which he said is um, from his mother. Mm. So it's something that he carries with him all of the time. And um, I think it's really sweet that, like, the character is kind of like a mummy's boy in a way and has that connection and has that connection to, like, you know, cooking. And that's kind of something that I try and put in his fan fiction as well. So it's interesting because I think, like, for a background character, there's actually a lot about him that comes out so long as you're, like, watching what Samba is doing in the background at any given time. Um, and there's also some stuff on, like, how he approaches a scene and he's always, like, when he's playing Roach, he's always making sure he knows where all the exits are. He's, mm. on, he's on the lookout for, like, potential threats. Um, the way that he interacts with Edward is really interesting to me as well. The fact that he's always very, like, pleasant and funny and smiley to his face, but then the second that Edward isn't paying attention to him, he suddenly drops. Um, yeah, he does He does lots of great stuff, and I think you can glean a lot of backstory from Roach if you pay, like, attention to him in the background. Uh, we, I mean, the one little, like, bit of background that we got was in season two when Roach says, I never heard an apology before. What did you make of that when you heard that? Oh, when I hear um, this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. And I guess it matches up with the idea that like, you know, in season one, you've got a whole bunch of pirates that haven't really experienced a situation before where they've been respected. Um, and, you know, Steed does make note that, you know, clearly all of these people have been through various different kinds of trauma before. Um, and we know that Roach is a very anxious character. Um, he 
Shaw loves like screaming, crying, wailing, those sorts of things, um, which I think like Samba does such a great job with like the comedy for as well. Like I just love how skittish he is. And I think like the never heard an apology before comment kind of just fits into that sort of backstory. So the main thesis statement in uh, Story Genius is that you need to find your character's core wound. So as I've been kind of like thinking about Roach these past few days, the character's core wound is usually some sort of trauma, specific trauma um, they had in childhood that led to a misbelief as they got older. And then that misbelief makes them employ certain tactics in order to get what they want or need. So what do you guys think Roach's core wound is? I think there's a few different. Yeah, go on, go on. I'll I'll, uh, add things. No, I'm actually curious because like I've written like so many different, well, actually no, I've written so many different versions of a backstory for Roach that all kind of vaguely a little bit slot together. And Irene has read all of them. So I'm actually (laughs) curious about what you think has kind of emerged out of all of that. Oh God. See, that's the thing. Everything you write, my brain just kind of, because you, not to like be complimenting Randy time, but everything you write, like is so well put together as well with stuff that Samba has said and like Samba will come out and say something and we're like oh this fits so whatever you've written is kind of in my brain as a cat canon and canon now so to me it's kind of like there's been there's been a few head canons and a few things of oh there's one specific thing that triggered you know him running off to piracy and then him not having a good time as a pirate. The name Roach that Samba has also me- mentioned has had like some racist connotations. And then you take that and you make it yours. You know, this idea that he's left home um, looking for adventure, but has found, you know, the world of piracy instead, which as we know is quite, you know, a violent and um, cutthroat kind of world. And, uh, you know, this sort of, uh, disillusionment, um, you know, a coming of age that can be really damaging to a person and also like, you know, becoming disconnected from your family and from your home and those sorts of things. So looking at it, I guess, on a more broad level. I really like that. I obviously have not written the breadth of Roach-centered fanfiction that you have, and I have not explored this uh, in, in a like really intense creative way, but Looking at the details that we do have about Roach, um, you know, we have the, this sash that he has from his mother. We have um, this, this uh, I've never heard an apology before. We have these little tidbits of information. We we know that he's the cook on on the ship. Um, he, he bakes a lot of cakes. We know that he is, in many senses, um, also the medic on the ship, which is a whole other can of worms of, is he washing his knives? I don't know. Do they have no. germ theory yet? I don't know. <laughs> Well, um, they specifically but, play like the sound of flies buzzing. In, yeah, it's concerning. Uh, a bit where he chops, definitely where he to chop Lucius's finger. Um, but it all comes together for me in a really interesting, um, like almost like Roach is the mom friend. Roach is feeding everyone. Roach is taking care of their wounds. Roach is taking care of their um, emotions on some level. Um, you mentioned Randy, um, the idea of you know Roach has one way of acting in front of Blackbeard and one way of acting behind Blackbeard's back. 
And I think that that is really, really uh, indicative of somebody who is good at managing other people's emotional states and has had to do that from a young age. And I think this all comes together to tell us to, to tell a story of some kind of trauma involving caretaking and um, a wound that relates to not having someone in his life who was providing those things to him and having to provide it to the adults around him. And so I think that it, I, I, I'm just extrapolating on this. I don't mind blown. I don't know for sure. But my, (laughs) my theory is that we have some kind of core wound involving his mother and involving um, a separation from her. And then having to provide emotional stability either to siblings or to a perhaps emotionally distant father or um, adults in his life who were um, perhaps taking advantage of, you know, like an an orphanage situation where there's like Uh, an adult who's very emotionally distant and not really available to you in a sense uh, as an adult. Really, all they're doing is putting a roof over your head. Uh, Can I add on to this after? Oh, yeah, so you have, I'm, I have I'm just something going. to say, like regarding family, and this is a biased opinion, um, because also I think I relate to Roach a lot because our like both Samba's cultures and the things he brings into Roach are very similar to Greek culture. Um, and so with like to me, Roach would have grown up in a village, like the relationship with family is different to a lot of especially the western world and like Greece speaking about me as kind of in the middle we are a very weird in a very weird place really um regarding culture and all that so to me like Roach wouldn't have be ra- been raised by one person it would have been like an entire community um and like also you know he would have participated in that community and I really like the connection of, you know, Roach is somebody who grew up with community, uh, you know, leaving for whatever reason. And then you have somebody who is the cook, who cooks for a community who, you know, you have the crew and then you had the family, very communal based. But now as he is a pirate and he doesn't really have the luxury, like emotionally, psychologically, to accept, to have the kind of trust that you would have in, you know, your community, your family, um like we have talked about this with randy a lot you know like he is a cook he has his own which means he is indispensable first who kills the cook you know like the cook is the least like because you get killed he has his own space um which is the galley so like he could be he could be waving you off with a cleaver and that would have been fine because he is a cook right but that means that nobody comes into his space versus to me again this is like a very biased thing of this is kind of how I grew up not entirely exactly but like I'm very familiar with you know your neighbors raising your children uh you and your siblings um your aunties so many aunties and suddenly not having that so I could see the perspective of having some kind of family trauma but more in the way of having had a family but had have had to lose it. I really um, like that way of thinking about it, of this, like, someone who has had a wealth of family, not just blood relatives, a whole, like, community, and basically, like, raised by a village, essentially. And yeah. having lost that somewhere along the way, either by, you know, leaving and losing that and realizing, oh, that was important to me after the fact. Or, you know, as Carly mentioned, you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a there's a lot of colonization going on in the background in the historical context, and that's not happening necessarily 
front and center on the show, but there are things that might have impacted the community that he was a part of that might mm -hmm. have changed the dynamic. And I, I like the idea that that was something that was important to him that he cared about that felt that, that felt key to creating um, a new environment for himself. So when he, he joins the crew and, you know, sees a place to uh, kind of carve out a place for himself in the crew, that's what he chooses is this caretaking role of I'm going to provide food for the crew because that is what was provided to me when I was young that felt, you know, important and kept kind of me as a person whole. And I like that he's kind of bringing them all together in this one specific way, uh, even if he's also, you know, fighting for his life and kind of going through the motions of being a pirate in a big disaster way, the way that they all are. But I, I really like the idea that he is taking this from his upbringing, that it's something that was valuable to him growing up, and he sees a place to create that value for other people now. I absolutely agree with what you're saying there, because I think um, what you're saying matches up as well with season two. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that I kind of see season two is that Roach in season one is like very erratic and he's very eager to show everybody how much he, you know, loves to torture people and he loves to cut people's fingers off and he loves like blood and, you know, cannibalism and whatever. Um, whereas season two, Roach is much gentler. Um, and we kind of almost see that right from when they arrive on like uh, Jungi Soul's like ship when they kind of like get on there and he goes like straight to the kitchen and he's sort of just like sitting around with his tea and he's kind of like it's it's almost like the most relaxed that we've seen him is on this ship where there suddenly again is this community that's been created because I think like on her ship is like kind of what Steed was trying to do in season one. Like she is the gentleman pirate essentially and she's got this like incredible crew that works together as a community. Um, and I sort of like to think that Roach saw that and was like, oh, like I can like take a breath now. Um, and like I've spoken to Irene as well, like being Chinese myself, I find that like some of the stuff that we talk about our cultures as well and just like the way that we relate to like our families and those sorts of things has a lot of similarities. And so like with that like Roach and the Auntie's fic that I wrote, I was like I wonder if he kind of experienced that sense of like family and community again that was like in a way familiar to him despite it being like an entirely different culture. It makes me almost think, I wonder if he had more of like a matriarchal upbringing. Well, Amazir culture is matriarchal. Mm. And not I wonder to, if not to like, I, I mean, I mean this in like the least gender essentialist way possible. Yeah, like yeah. I'm non-binary. This is not where I'm like, this is not where I eat. But I do think that there is something to be said for what you said, uh, where like Zhang is basically like doing gentleman pirate better than Steed does. And I think there's something to be said for like Steed is showing up wanting to use the tools that, that have often been employed by women historically because of the context of gender within their the world that they live in. Um, these ideas of like, you know, gentlemanly uh, interactions where, you know, you're dealing with, you're, you're talking to someone instead of fighting, you're talking it through as a crew. There's, there's a lot in there that is very, um, I think, 
uh, they're, they're tools that are often employed by women, I think, historically. And we see that reflected in season two where like she's doing it better. And yeah. I really do enjoy that we get to see that reflection of like, hey, what you're doing has already been done. And it's been done by this like amazing badass uh, like Chinese female pirate and you're reinventing the wheel here. Like it's it's already been done and you have something to learn. And I think that's really powerful and cool. And it has nothing to do with Roach, but yeah. I, I really liked what you said. <laughs> I the, the thing about that is I would I would kind of challenge the idea that like the talking part is like a gendered thing because like just the way that I see it, I see it more as like a class thing. I kind of I like, totally see what you're talking about. Yeah. Like that dining episode we see. There's that so much to be said about a pirate show. Kind of like fight each other, whereas like we are passive aggressive towards each mm. other. And, like, and well, and you're so almost, right. Like we see that with um like Mary and Anne, uh, and Bonnie and Mary Reed. They're not, they don't talk it through. Like they are absolutely failing at that kind of communication. So you're right. We do not see it presented as a gendered thing at all. I'm I'm speaking more from a perspective of like what we're what we're told like within the context of gender in our society and i don't necessarily buy into it but it is one of those things that's like pushed as like women were the peacemakers or whatever and i don't think that's actually necessarily always true um but yeah that's i think i, I think you're right that there's a class um i just think yeah, yeah that there is something to be said about intersectionality in general because sometimes i think we tend to think like this is a general statement that we tend to think either in one term about, oh, it's a race thing, it's a class thing, it's a gender thing. It's almost it's never only one thing. There's there's a lot of, like, with the show and everything, there's, um some people see it in a very specific way. Other people, like, see it in other ways. And it always has to do, I feel like, are we seeing it from, you know, because, because everybody and, you know, not being... Uh, in America or in um, England or, you know, Anglo-Saxon countries. Um, there's, you know, I, I tend to come into it seeing much more class um, rather than gender or maybe race. Whereas other people that come from other places will, will see more the race part or the gender part. And I think it's something, it's really special to be able to come all together and bring all of these conversations to the table, be like, hey, actually, it's all of them. And we can combine them um, in a way that like nobody, nobody is disagreeing on something, but they're adding more into it, um, which is a really cool thing to be able to do with this fandom. I yeah. totally agree. It's it's a little bit of everything and they're all interacting with each other. It's not it's not three separate things. You know, it's not gender, class and race. It's all three of them interacting with each other. And there's there's a whole intersectionality to it. You're so right. Can I add one more thing? Oh, yeah, please. About his backstory, because we forgot about the talisman, which I think is really important. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, what, my God. What's the talisman? So Roach has a, wears his little, I don't know if you've noticed, he has a little leather necklace with two little pouches, um, which if yeah. you if you look like in the, in the curse episode and all that, whenever he's scared, he like clutches it as well, which is a really cute detail in season two. And that um, that is a protection um, protection thing. Is talisman the right word in English? I am not entirely yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think he's okay. called it he a said, talisman before. And I can't remember whether he said it was whether it was in his culture or whether it was in like Amazir culture. Like when you're a baby, it kind of gets gifted to you as like, and there's little um, 
like blessings written and they get put in the leather pouches and it's like an uh, talisman for uh, safety. Oh, wow. I think it really ties beautifully. Like Roach is somebody who to me has run away. Like he's a pirate. Regardless, he's away from his home, but he carries so much of his home, like in his statues, his um protection, his kite, his talisman, all of his mother's sash, all of those things. Um, and he's like, a, he is indeed a very tender, he has said we're tender as hell. He is indeed a very tender um, guy. And it's been really nice between the seasons to see that change from season one where he is more skittish and more ready to like you know like show how he can fight and that he is violent and scare people away be that roach versus with season two we see him a little bit we see him calmer we see him like trust more and then take the initiative you know he bakes the cake right which is a i think it's a very sweet moment um even though it traumatizes everyone even though it traumatizes everyone i think they should have talked it through yeah (laughs) yeah it comes it comes from a nice place in his heart yeah i think one of the things was also just just seeing like how creative he is like in season one you have like you said there's all the oh i'm i'm tough i'm fighting and when they're doing the craft project with the flag he's not like super into it but then in season two you do get to see like he's creating he's doing new things he's experimenting he's baking cakes he's creating peanut butter and you know causing allergic reactions but you know he's doing new things that he probably wouldn't have done before exploring self-care yeah and we um we had like a joke at one point because you know how he he does he does do a little bit of creativity in season one because he makes that like bat with all (laughs) with all of the nails in it and we were kind of like what if Roach invented five minute crafts yep (laughs) I love that which is a great segue into our segment on what are I want everyone to try and think of five things you would love to see Roach do in either a fic or in an upcoming episode. Oh, I have two of them already. Okay, go for it. One of them is take a fucking break. <laughs> Be able to sleep a little bit because he's doing everything. He is cooking. He is, what is the word with the oars and the dinghy? He is um, rowing. Rowing. Uh, he's constantly like if you watch him in the background in season one he's like probably the only person who's actually doing some work um so i would like to see him rest in um what in what way would roach like to rest or would would you like to see roach rest back back because on land or him a little bit rest to me this is like this delves very into that canon land so like i can say whatever i Yes, they want, and it's a little bit delusional. But to me, he's the type of guy where you know when you tell him to rest because he's so anxious, and you know, like originally picking up, um, being the cook, being indispensable, all of that. Um, it's really beautiful what it get ends up being. But like, if you tell him to rest, he's gonna be like, oh, so I'm not needed anymore. He's gonna get really anxious about it. So I want to see him in a place where he's actually able 
to rest without worrying about that. I think and, this is why like a yeah. like a character centered episode would work so well, where you have like Roach is yeah. dealing with all of these different things. He's always being asked to do things, and I just think that like if we got an episode that was centered around that, and then he gets a little break, like that's so nice. What, what a nice way to care for someone oh, is to like they need to wash the dishes for him. I think that's what the crew needs to do. Yeah, there I go. So um, I think it was like there was that scene at like the post credit scene where he's with Fang. I just think like Roach Roach should have a full spa day and I think somebody should just like take care of that for him. Something I've always kind of headcanoned is uh we're not headcanoned but like been in my mind is Steed, you know, and Blackbeard for that matter, has a lot of money. Why doesn't he take them out shopping? Why doesn't he take them to a nice hotel one day and just let them have a day in a hotel wearing nice clothes that they get to buy. I would love to see everyone like in a tailor shop getting fitted for, and they get to pick out the fabric. They get to pick out the, what would Roach wear if he got to wear whatever he wanted? Something not tight. Something, something. This is okay. This is Randy's fault. And this happens to me all the time because I draw so much roach, right? I want to put him in really pretty, you know, tight clothing, tight dresses. Um, what's the word? Uh, turtlenecks. But very early on, um, also because of some fanfic, uh, that I think we're gonna recommend later. Um, I kind of now have this like cat pound into me, which is canon at this point, that he cannot be in like constricting clothing, tight clothing. My immediate thought was. Well, clearly Roach is going to wear a Snuggie during his day off. There we go. <laughs> like, I'm imagining like, you know, he's just like in, in one of those like just blankets with arms, you know, or yep, like, yeah. or he's wearing like the most lush bathrobe you've ever seen in your life. And he's got like a little face mask going on with cucumbers on the eyes. And <laughs> Oh, I would love to see him. Okay. This needs to happen. I want to see him in overalls so fucking bad. Mm. Just there oh. we go. That's that's what I want. But what about like really pretty overalls, like the like embroidered, like, like that are made of silk and that have like little embroideries on it and little 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 red, flowers, little, flicker, little little sparkles, a little bit. I would love to get like just. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a whole scene or anything like that. But I would love to get like a hint or a canonization of the idea of like Roach's top surgery mm. um like services. I think that would be amazing to just kind of be like, yep, this happens. Um, you know, Vico has expressed like wanting to, you know, kind of share their gender a little bit more um in the work that they do. And I think that would be a really cool way to be like, yes, this is true. <laughs> Even if it doesn't necessarily make sense in terms of surgical and medical procedures of the time. You know which one I want to see? There was a fan art very early on that was like, it was Roach with his top surgery scars. And he was like, I did that myself. Oh, if we're going that I kind of route, that. that's what I want to see. I've seen yeah. that. I think it's it's a fan art, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen that and I loved it. Ones. I was like, yes, this is so good. And I, I just think that would be a really cool moment for like Roach and Jim to get to share or like you know anyone who's feeling a little bit gender vibey on the on the crew to like kind of get that even just like Roach uh showing up at port walking down and then someone says happy customer and you know they give a little half high five or something that would be really that'd be so cute just a random thought I wrote down before this podcast like literally five minutes before the podcast uh was (laughs) 
steak knife versus cake knife is this anything and then i was thinking um a a steak knife and roach story and roach goes by cake knife and do they fight maybe do they start like fighting and they're like we're gonna we're gonna fight each other for some reason and then they become friends what do they do I together? actually think like I mean you just said that and it sparked for me how beautiful and this kind of goes off of um uh you know like what Irene was saying about Roach needs a break but um <laughs> uh th- this idea of like I-, I really like gift giving as a trope I think it's like really beautiful when characters kind of get together and figure out something really meaningful for a character who's going through it and I think it would be really cool if some of the crew members like got together and got Roach a new steak knife or a new cake mm-hmm. knife or something. I was thinking about it before in like it would be really sweet to have just a little moment of while they're out at the Republic of Pirates or something, maybe like Frenchie like goes by a stand and is like, oh, and like, you know, mentions a spice and is like, Roach will love this and like buys it for him or something, you know, just like little things like that, little gestures to show that the crew care about Roach and what Roach is doing for them um could be really cool so when you said steak knife or cake knife i was like wait a minute <laughs> what so if uh, what if we it's what interesting. If we all pitch in together and buy him a new knife for the kitchen That's and cute. cleaver it's interesting you say that because that is actually quite a common trope in rizzy fix so yep. a lot of the time people will have like izzy going off and like He's that really bad sense. at just saying like, oh, I love you. So he'll go to like the markets or something and he'll pick him out a new knife or he'll pick him out like some spices, but he doesn't know what to get. So he's like sniffing them all and like sneezing. That's very funny. I like that a lot. Oh, <laughs> one more thing I would like to see is a uh, multilingual roach because we do know, first of all, Samba speaks a lot of languages and it would make sense. And speaking of not to make it rizzy, but like there is this like, one of my favorite things that they do is when they take them, like when people take them to the market and you have like, you know, is he tagging along and Roach is shopping and he's talking in all these different languages with all these like, you know, different vendors. Um, I would love to see something like that. I'd love to like see him speak, you know, yeah. French or Amharic or uh, Dutch. And is he being there with him and being really impressed? But but yeah, not- they're talking about they're talking about Izzy, but Izzy can't understand most of it. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah, Izzy doesn't know whether to be impressed or whether to be self conscious. Both. I love in a fic when Roach has a restaurant or a cafe. It would be fun to see him with <laughs> taking over the soup kiosk or having an establishment in the Republic of Pirates or the New Republic, if that was a thing. Um, I just like when he feeds people. Oh, what if he was like the restaurateur at the the hotel that he's the, Ed, he's the breakfast Steve and the bed are... and breakfast. Yeah, he's the he's the chef. Oh, what do you think Ro- uh, Roach would would prepare at the bed and breakfast? Something spicy, too spicy, and every and yeah. all the all the like white people who are like showing up to the bed can't breakfast handle can't handle yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they can't do we, anything. He has a cleaver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's well, there's another thing as well that I find really funny because like, um, Zhengyi Soul is from like Guangdong, so that's like from the south of China where they don't really eat spicy food. 
And I just think it would be really funny if Roach was like, oh, my God, Chinese people, like, let's make some spicy food. And, like, the entire ship was just like, we actually can't handle this. We're all just dying. I also really like the visual of um, if he's if he's the like the breakfast at the bed and breakfast. I like the visual of him creating like extremely delicate pastries or like little tiny cucumber sandwiches, but with a giant cleaver. Like yes. I love the idea of a shot of this giant cleaver coming down and it's just like the fluffiest white bread you've ever seen with like mayonnaise and like a thinly sliced cucumber inside <laughs> it. And that's, I just think that's a really funny visual. <laughs> I feel like Samba would absolutely nail that. He's such, so a, like, such a good physical actor that he yeah. would be perfect. The um, I think there's like the, the the kind of joke that Roach's kitchen doesn't have anything, but basically a few knives, and yet he's able to create these elaborate, you know, cakes and everything. That's one of the things that I love about Our Flag Means Death is that there is, I guess, more so in the first season, there is this sense of like magic, like it doesn't matter you know, if he wants to make like a 40 orange cake, like, yeah, he has like, you know, ye olde easy bake oven, like <laughs> in the kitchen. It Like, who cares? I, I love it's that the, so much. I love the magic of the like, this is a thing that wasn't invented yet, but we have it like the type of lighthouse like wasn't invented yet that they're dealing with or like all of these little anachronisms. And I love that like we can just accept the magic of Roach's kitchen as like a kind of pseudo magical kitchen that can create anything, even if it's like they're an auntie's bag. Yeah, I just I yeah. think that's really I think that's really lovely. This is a great time to point out nothing to do with Roach, but my favorite thing in this realm is the ice sculpture at the party that they go to in the middle of the Caribbean. It's so funny! <laughs> I, for, I forgot that. Oh my god! And, and I love it so much. <laughs> it's so just, fucking good. It's just like, you know that someone on that crew was like, that couldn't exist. And everyone was like, yes, it can. Like, <laughs> there's just this like weird magic to the type of world that we have here. Uh, like David Jenkins is just like, you know, oh, you can't do that in the Caribbean? Watch me. <laughs> it's like. And it's okay. so freeing as someone who writes historical fiction and who has always been in the past. So, oh, this has to be historically accurate. David Jenkins no, has just expanded my mind and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to put ice sculptures in the Caribbean in the 1700s. Yeah. yeah. If it's funny, it's going in. And that's the rule of. um you know, the rule of funny in writing is people will believe it as long as it's funny. Yeah. I think also doing it, doing it so casually is what makes it funny because yeah. the funniest things that you can do is like, you know, like Izzy appearing out of thin air or the sculpture where, you know, things that are just never explained, they're there. And that I think makes them fun funnier because you don't have to explain it. It's just there. And you and everybody is walking past it and not even questioning it. Like when Jim randomly comes back to the ship in season one with like <laughs> yep. no explanation, they're just like there. They're just there. It's fine. Who cares? Perfect. Uh, we have to, before we uh, go into our next topic, we do have to address Rizzy. Why is Rizzy, the Roach Izzy ship, so interesting? According to us or according to Samba? According to According to everyone. <laughs> We say according to Samba because one time we got a cameo from him and didn't mention Rizzy at all. And then he spent like eight minutes talking about how he ships Rizzy. And we were all like, no one asked. No one That's asked incredible. you. That's incredible. That's incredible. I love that. Colin? 
I've seen that shit in person. It's the energy. Yeah. yeah okay. Lacey. You're the one who took the video, right? Yeah. Lacey took the okay. Nicole video. The, because the there, there is a Rizzy. He made a Rizzy reference in there. It was on purpose. When he said, what did he say? Something about the little man. Something about little man. He didn't say little guy. He said little man. And little man is a specific, is, is a Rizzy specific. Uh, and, and he knows. And, and it was on purpose. You and what is that. the uh, Rizzy specific? What is that reference? What is that? Uh, Roach just calls him little man, like to us in oh. general. Yeah, like um, I think pretty much every Rizzy fic that you'll read will yep. have like uh, Roach calling Izzy little man at some point. Do you think That's Samba reads fics? Uh, he doesn't. No. He's but, like specifically said that he doesn't. But then how does he know about the little man? Because I told him, <laughs> actually. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, there it you go. It was me. It was my fault. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I do think that there is, and I'm about to just like, every author on the internet is about to like come over and slap me in the face, like on, like they're going to come to my house and, and do this. Um, but there is this like line that creators have to put out there, which is I don't yep. read fan fiction. And like, clearly I read fan fiction. I, uh, I definitely don't read fan fiction of my work because it doesn't exist yet. But, you know, it's like there is that line where you, you have to say that you don't read fan fiction because if Legal. you take something from a fan fiction and put it in your work, even by accident, or if you put something in your work that is in a fan fiction and someone gets mad about that, they can sue you. Like we we have seen this happen. There have been lawsuits. So I do think there is a line where like you do have to say that on some level, but there's also the possibility that you've been sent something from it or you've been told by a, a, a fan or you've seen fan art that has a thing in it. So things like that that are so pervasive like in the fandom have a way of sneaking out. Yeah. And meanwhile, you have Michael Sheen being like, <laughs> I read all of it. I love him. Love him so much. Oh, and by the way, congrats on your uh, wonderful Aziraphale cosplay you. that you did yesterday. Wonderful. Check out official Joy Goblin on Instagram for those wonderful cosplays. Uh, but get back to Rizzy. Okay. What is I it? I can answer this question. Yes. Uh, I mean, everybody should answer this question. To me, the first and foremost thing is they're both creatures of survival. So they like the the first line um for both of them is surviving so i think it's very easy for them to bond over that i'm also just i'm a big fan of you know like roach coaxing like izzy out with food especially like season one izzy the struggling stray cat yes it's my favorite thing and high difference this is samba said high difference you know roach is very anxious um and izzy is very predictable mm -hmm. and even roach's like chaos has a predictability to it so i feel like they're very good for each other in terms of you know you're not you're not trying to play games essentially like once you learn each other and what to expect of each other that really helps calm you a lot of people had ken and izzy as like you know very very sub very only serving but to me he can take sometimes he can take the reins on a situation and i also think and that is one other thing i would like to see roach either in fic or in season three is that i would like him to be in a situation where he's not the one serving i want him to be taken care of whether that you know whether he's dripping blood or whether he's taking a break getting wrapped um, up in cotton put him in blankets please that's all i need um i think like when i first started writing rizzy um it was very much like 
I, I think it's interesting because a lot of the time in Izzy ships, Izzy is usually like the focal point, like you're writing an Izzy ship because you're a fan of Izzy and another character, whereas like I approached it almost from the other side of things. I was like, I am centering Roach because he's my favorite favorite character, but I also really like Izzy. <clears throat> kind of similar to what Irene was saying, I sort of started to think about like, what does Izzy have to offer Roach? Because we know that like Roach, you know, he cooks and he has that kind of area in the ship that he's in charge of. And, you know, he'd look after Izzy. He'd sort of coax him out with food. Um, he's like one of the few people that actually does his job on the ship. And so I think Izzy would respect that as well, you know, as part of Steed's crew, I think like Roach is kind of a standout in that area. Um, but I think that from the other side of things, um, Izzy seems to enjoy like serving others. Like it is kind of like, you know, those acts of mm. what's it called? Yeah. Acts of service um, is his yeah, acts of service is kind of like his love language. And so um, when it comes to, say, like Edward and that entire history that's kind of come behind that dynamic and the toxicity that it sort of becomes and all of that sort of stuff, doesn't erase the fact that Izzy still is very happy to be of service and feels like valued, um, you know, doing things for the people that he loves. And I think Interestingly, Roach is kind of similar to Edward in that they both have cultivated this sort of facade that is a lot more violent and scary than they actually are as a person in yeah. order to survive. Um, and I think, like, the place of trauma that they come from as well is, like, it's not the same, but I think there are similarities to it as well, and they both have that, you know, piece of cloth from their mother um, mm -hmm. and... That's one of my yeah. fake recommendations for later. <laughs> and I think I think Izzy would kind of know how to look after Roach as well, as much as Roach would recognize what Izzy needs from a relationship. I actually think that Izzy, from his time with Edward, would recognize what Roach needs as well and what would actually make him feel more safe and more stable. And also, like, Izzy's just such a shit liar. And he, like, talks all the time. Like, he's so transparent. I think that would also be very reassuring to Roach, who doesn't need to kind of guess, um, you know, what he's thinking and he doesn't need to sort of um, imagine that he's going to hide anything from him because as much as Izzy would try, he's shit at it. Like, he's so terrible at, like, hiding the way that he feels it explodes out of him at some point. So... Um, I think the two of them have a lot to offer each other and I think the two of them kind of come from really similar places of um, making their choices primarily in order to survive but I think that because they'd recognise that in each other they'd help each other to heal from that as well. Um, I also think that um, if you're going to put a character like Izzy and a character like Roach together, you have to um, approach Roach in a different way that he's written in the show necessarily because Izzy is a more realised character in the show. And so you have to give that same, like, realisation and, like, 
I guess you, you have to take his character more seriously if you're going to write fan fiction about him than he's portrayed in the show just so that you can write him as a main character as opposed to a side character. Like that's just going to be a different approach in the first place. So what moment um, either have you seen in fic or would you like to see either in fic on the show between Roach and Izzy that would just like heal your soul? Can I make a list for you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot. I I mentioned the market. So, oh, little man. I need little man canonically. I know Samba has said it a bunch of times at this point, but I wanted in the show. <laughs> There's actually a thing that has been in quite a few fix that I think it would just be a really nice kind of acknowledgement of a relationship without necessarily needing to show it on screen. Um, where often say like Roach will be eating something or drinking something or like having a cigarette or something and Izzy will come past and just like, or, you know, the other way around and just kind of like take the cigarette out of his hand and like continue smoking it himself. And like the crew doesn't know that they're together yet, but they just sort of see it and they're like, oh, okay. I love Uh, that. I have one tiny uh, detail that I love, which is one... from one of your fix, Randy, which was the loop in uh, the sash. Um, Randy like wrote uh, like Roach putting a loop in his sash specifically for Izzy to like uh, grab, and like that goes into a very overworked Roach who is almost about you know he's about to, to fall, and Izzy grabs him, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" So I think like. I'm a big fan of like visual storytelling. So as much as I would love to see like actual scenes and everything, I would really, really appreciate like tiny little details like that. I think another common trope is like Roach setting food aside for Izzy who doesn't like to eat with the crew. So there's just like the little Izzy portion that he comes and like gets later on his own. And does Roach then increasingly add a little bit more uh, a little bit more flourish to the Izzy plate at first it starts with just like you know the bread and the gruel and then it's like the bread and the gruel and a little I'm just imagining Roach getting like really into garnishes but like only for Izzy Izzy. very funny I think I think both of them would appreciate a garnish yeah you know Steed would be into that but then he's doing he's not getting one who who does not like like Izzy doesn't care if there's a garnish and then you know then the next time it's a placemat and then there's like a little candle next to it. And then there's like a little He's like got a doily out for Izzy. <laughs> oh so got like a little rose in a vase. <laughs> like and it just keeps it on a- a- each day getting increasingly elaborate. Oh, you're giving me ideas now. You're giving me art ideas. I love this. <laughs> and oh. until Izzy has to say something. And then what does Izzy say? Or maybe Izzy just doesn't say anything. Another, like, typical trope is them doing things for each other. Like, there are some things where Roach will, you know, uh, take care of Izzy's diet. Like, he might want more more salt. Like, he might have a sensitive tummy. And in return, like, Izzy will gift him uh, for his knives. What do you call it? Is it a whetstone? Or spices from his home. Stuff like that. And then they keep on one-upping each other. Yep. Time gets it gets increasingly elaborate and ridiculous. What is your favorite thing about Samba's acting? Like he just throws his whole Sambussy into it. Every <laughs> scene he's in, just fully committed. He's yep. a human Muppet. I I think uh, his attention to detail is really interesting. Like 
um, you know, we're, we've been picking apart all these little things and kind of just like what he brings to, to the role that is like subtextual that really shines through anyway. And I think that's really cool. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of the actors on this show have in common of this like ability to really embody the character in a way that um, it may not make it into the script. It may not be something that anyone told them to do, but they are still kind of providing that extra textual layer of information about the character. And this is like really going to get into like writing nerdy shit, but like it's very show don't tell of them. They're like, it's not in the script. It's not being told to them as something that like, this is definitely what it is about your character because it's not in the script and we don't see it, but they're still coming through and like, showing it to us anyway and I think that Samba does a really good job of that I think like Samba is the embodiment of that thing of there are no small parts like he really has made Roach into such a well-rounded like realized character from someone that gets maybe like one or two lines per episode and his physicality is so dynamic one of my favorite scenes and maybe we should talk about our favorite Roach scene is when Lucius has Steed's journal Frenchie is going to do espionage to get the journal off the, and some but Roach is going to cause a distraction. So Roach walks up to the British officer. The British officer says something very offensive and Roach responds, your face. And then he moves his arm back in the most Muppety way, just like as if his arm is on a stick even, and then slaps the, the British officer oh, and takes off running. And his, his whole body is like leaning at an angle. And like, he, he's not vertical at all in any of his actions no. that he does. He's you know what? I I wonder, and I've been wondering for a very long time whether this was intentional, like from Samba or like, you know, who came up with this, but in the scene where the Swede is like losing his teeth, Roach is using like a miswak, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, to like, but it's like one of the like chewing sticks that like a lot of Muslim people use, I think still and like in various African countries to clean their teeth. Like he's brushing his teeth as the Swede is losing his teeth. Oh, wow. What a um, great detail. I haven't and noticed Sorry, because I didn't realize, I was like, what is he like got a toothpick or something? And then I kind of like zoomed in on it. I was like, oh my God, no, he's brushing his teeth while the Swede is like running around the deck. Like I'm losing my teeth. And I'm like, that's so funny. Um, and like, I wonder if that was a Samba decision or like where that came from. That's incredible. Attention to detail is like insane. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But like in terms of delivery, I think the funniest to me is like in season two, when they're talking about the cursed jacket and like, I have my own reservations about that episode, but I thought it was very funny when Archie was like, oh, we should stab the coat. And Roach is like, what if it bleeds? And it's I also, like, that was what I was going to The delivery say. is so good. The delivery of that line is just like chef's kiss. So fucking so good. good. He's so just so animated and like, just like the physical comedy of his acting is just top tier. He's like a very tall, like gangly guy and he uses his he uses that to its full potential I, what I also really love and this is something if you get a cameo from him that he can see a lot and I've like noticed he uses it as like a really good like acting exercise though his eyes like the way he can like immediately get that gaze that like watery gaze that he brings into his comedic scenes 
um, that like fake crying kind of thing or that manic, manic eye that he does is first of all really impressive to see in real time and second of all it's just so fucking funny so what roles would we love to see Samba play so I tweeted about this the other day because yep. I feel very strongly about it I think that Samba should play a final girl in like a B movie like horror I think like his his best quality his screams um like he would just be such an incredible like over the top kind of like uh campy fun kind of like schlocky horror guy and I'm just like man like I it'd be so good because I love like I mean you saw my AO3 list I love Evil Dead and like Reanimator and like that kind of style of horror and I'm like man he would be so good in that he would be really good in, and, and like, I'm sure that this is being like made somewhere. Like, I would be shocked if there was not a movie adaptation of this in the works right now. But he would be great as like a character in one of Chuck Tingle's um, horror novels. Like, he'd be great in <laughs> yeah. Camp Damascus, right? Or like Barrier Gaze. I haven't read Barrier Gaze yet, obviously, but like, I think he would be incredible in something like that yeah. that holds both like a very strong horror element, but also is like a queer, like, it's at its heart, it's really supporting this like kind of like queer energy. And I think he would do a really great job. And on the other side of things, I would also just like love to see him as a rom com lead, just because I think he has like such sweet and like gentle energy as well. I'm like, that would be such a great like romantic lead like comedy kind of style being in Australia in Greece means that like it's really hard for us to access the more like indie projects that he's doing but he is doing a rom-com as far as we know where he plays kind of like a goofy scientist which looks really cute and like hopefully at some point we'll be able to watch it but it's called advanced chemistry okay cool I'll have to check that out I'll have to look for it uh like I'm just kind of thinking like what type of job also it's queer uh advanced chemistry is queer Oh, awesome. I would just love to put him in like the most random job, like the most quirky thing. Like he's he does have a Jim Carrey-esque quality to him in the physicality being like extremely ex- exaggerated. So of course, like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, like, like could Samba be something in that vein? Like a just a ridiculous job. Uh, that's just so, like the extreme. Yeah, well, while Vico was here, they were asked, "What's your dream role?" And they said, "Ace Ventura." Oh, really? <laughs> I would love to see a like reboot of Ace Ventura with Vico. That's like less transphobic and yes. like yeah, just like let's cut the transphobia, let's put Vico in, and just like I think that would be incredible. That, like, would, that would be, be so incredible. Good. That would be yeah. so good, and it would be it would like erase and heal the bad karma from yeah, the think, original give us a little a little something yeah yeah like, that would be really cool i was also- already said everything i want him to be a spy these days i'm very into spies so yeah, I- uh either either it can be both like i like parody stuff as well so it could be either serious and use that physicality of his like in a more serious way or f- fully just comedic um like, like a detective or a spy yeah a very incompetent saying. spy. Like I really like the like oh, a very fun. a very confident. Like he believes in his ability as a spy, but he's very not a good spy. And being that oh. he's six feet tall, and yeah. like 
he stands out with his crazy hair like everyone tracks him so it's like how how okay. are you possibly gonna be a spy if you are i want dad? this but he wins for some yeah. reason i think it yeah. would be yeah. the funniest thing if he is actually as good as he thinks in the sense that he is so obviously walking and nobody pays attention to him nobody sees him his first language is french riot so he could totally be in a Inspector remake Clouseau. of Pink Panther. Oh my Please. god. Inspector Clouseau. That would be amazing. Yes. That would be amazing. Oh my gosh. I, I would love to see him as like a spy or like a detective of some kind. I was I was also just saying the other day that I really miss the like absurdist comedies of the 80s that like we know they got made because everyone was like on drugs. But like, <laughs> you know, like like clue. Like, like that movie is so wild, and I think that that could be like a really cool. He'd be great in in a remake of that. Ooh, so many ideas, but we have to get to fix. We have to get to fix. Uh, so let's give give us your Roach Fic Rex, uh, starting with Irene. Uh, I have written down four of them, uh, and one of them is we kind of touched upon, like how Roach is like Edward a little bit, and there is a fit. This is this is kind of awkward though because I am going to be recommending some Randy fix. <laughs> like yes, to no, no. That, that's good because um, Randy is the most prolific Roach fic there, writer. So there's really a, there's a lot. There's a directory that you can check out. You can guys talk about it later. Yeah. So my first one is from one son to another. Um, uh, it is one point seven k. It's a short one, and it is it is Edward and Roach, and it dives into like roach's uh sash and edward's silk from their mothers it's it's a really lovely scene between them um the other one is it's called it's not the long walk home that will change your heart by give me bare trees this is 4k and it is i love it i love that one it's so good it's it is one of my favorites i go back to it all the time it is a migraine roach fig and i get migraines a lot um so I love that one. It's and that's where kind of like it, Izzy comes in. It's not a Rizzy. It's not a shippy fic, but like Izzy comes in and the, the the crew is really lovely in it. Um, and they kind of like try to try to take care of him. Some of them think he, think he's a vampire. So there's that element of comedy as well. The other one is Cake by Randy as well. Bong Bing Bong. It is a short one. It's um uh 635 words and it is a little like study of the two cakes that we've seen or heard of roach bake which i think is a really nice character dive in a few words into you know how he is in season one and season two um and the last one i have is all i have to offer is my flesh blood and bone by glass underscore o uh underscore lemonade that is also 1.2k and it is it is uh, a fake where Roach j- just collapses from exhaustion. It deals with all that like overworking Aww. thing, um, and is also a really lovely one. Those are my non-Rizzy uh, Roach-centric ones. Because if you ask me Rizzy, I-, I have way too many to tell you. You give me at least one Rizzy one. Oh my god! Oh, you're do okay. Okay, can I can I give an ongoing one? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to recommend, uh, what is it called, though? Is it Heart Like a Kite? Is the reincarnation age? Oh, I just, I downloaded that one. Okay, you're going to love it. It's incredible. Uh, Okay, tell me about it. That is a season two. It's not a fix it exactly. It is by Randy as well. Um, And I draw for it as well. Um, And it is in a reincarnation AU of 
uh, what happens after Izzy's death in like 1718. And then you have three more uh, centuries of them meeting. Uh, you have 1818 where Izzy is a toy maker um, and Roach is a woodsman. He like carries the wood. 1918, you have um, Izzy who is a soldier after the war um, who has lost his leg and Roach is a prosthetic prosthetist. That's 1918. And then 2018, them, they actually meet in the shack that we see at the end of season two. And Izzy is a fisherman and Roach works down at the docks. So it is it is a heartbreaking and also very cozy one. So we have a lot of AUs. We have so many AUs. Um, one thing I really love, I'm an AU person. I just love them. But one thing I really love about AUs is that, you know, through them, you can explore the characters and what they would do in other situations or what they are like. And so then you're able to go back to canon um, and apply all those things. And it like makes, you know, seeing them, meeting them again for the first time or playing new things that you've learned, it makes it really cool both to like brainstorm and also just as a reader, go back and yeah. read. So that so that one, like a, heart, like a kite is mm -hmm. a bit of that. It's AU and canon and some really lovely stuff. Those are my recs. I'll I'll wreck just like a couple of things that were like because I I didn't write the first Roach fic um not you know by any stretch of the imagination because I didn't even watch the show until I think like a month after it had aired um but there is an author called Spoblin who wrote um a series of two fics called Two Ungentlemen um which was like a couple of Rizzy fics that were exploring the relationship between Roach and Izzy and compares Izzy to like a grizzled old tomcat, which I love. It's I think they were really the first person to sort of feel their way around what a relationship between the two of them might have looked like. And it is an incredibly thoughtful fic from both sides, which I really love. I Like I sometimes struggle when like the fic is about Izzy and then Roach is kind of just there, whereas like this gives Roach uh, a lot of attention to detail and those sorts of things. So Two Ungentlemen, beautiful series. The other one is actually like Roach is not a main character in it, but it's called uh, Communicating Want by Dictionary Rights. And it's probably one of the more well-known uh, Frenchy and Izzy fics. And it's also Izzy Lucius. But Roach is a character in it. And I think that was the first one that treated Roach as a really, like, in-depth, well-rounded character. I think it was when people originally were starting to realize that he was an Amazir character and they'd kind of gone into, like, researching what that meant. And I think they'd spoken to a few um, of the other fans from that background and Roach is just like this beautifully like well-researched, well-rounded, detailed character in it and that was kind of what inspired me to want to write more fic about him as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a lovely story but I think like if you're looking for a really, really well-written Roach, that's probably one of my favourite like Roaches. And I think if I was going to wreck one of mine, I would actually still wreck like my first. It, it's called um, Sea of Berries. Oh, I just read that this afternoon. Oh, amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, it's about them getting lost in the Bermuda Triangle and um, it's kind of like a horror horror-esque kind of fic. And it really goes into the beginnings of, like, the Roach backstory that I use for, like, most of my fics of him. 
Um, and it goes into, it, it was the way that I established Roach's character and like what he meant to me. So um, that one is still a really special fic to me because that was sort of the start of it all. Now, what was your approach to the the psyche of the characters in that? Because they're losing touch with reality a little bit. Like how, walk us through how you went about doing that. Um, so I actually plotted that fic in um, collaboration with, another writer I don't think they're on socials that much but it's my friend Flags um and the two of us sat down and we watched The Lighthouse together so that other kind of horror-esque kind of film uh we made a playlist um and we looked at poetry we watched a bunch of like we watched uh Werner Herzog eats his own shoe uh Mm -hmm. the documentary film about Werner Herzog eating his own shoe uh, which <laughs> makes have its to- way into the fic a little bit. Like there's a, there was a lot of kind of background research that we went into. We sort of just took little pieces from all of our inspiration and tried to build that sense of like foreboding. I love hearing about people's process because now like my whole brain is like, I'm like, oh, that's how you got into that, that world and that, that interesting just vibe of the whole thing. Well, Irene stole the one I that I was more. planning. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. It's okay because you uh, talked about it better than I was going to. But uh, it's not the long walk that will change this heart is incredible. Um, I really, really loved it. Uh, I think my favorite bit in it is this like whole vampire thing going on that yep. they like think that he's like a vampire or like he's dealing with this issue because of the migraines. And um, I'm I'm not like I'm not a Rizzy reader. Um, I'm I don't I don't like. I'm not, like, I I like to read fic for, like, the ensemble. I'm really into, like, where can I find the, like, underlying comedy of this show in fic? And that's hard because I think fic is very um, pairing-centric. And so it's hard to tell if something's going to be funny from, like, just the tags or, like, the description. Often it's, like, a little, like, the first couple lines of the fic, which, like, great. But I don't know if this is going to be funny in the way that I want it to be. So that's hard. But I think this one really, like towed that line of this is funny in the way that the show is funny, but it is also a really um, intense character study that really gets into like the intricacies of this relationship that we don't get to see explored in the show. So I think that one's amazing. Um, So yeah, you stole the one I was planning to wreck. Um, These aren't necessarily wrecks, but like there, there is a moment from a fic that has lived with me since the moment I read it. And this was like way back at the beginning. So this fic is like already wildly popular. Like if you search by kudos, it's on the first page. Like everybody already knows about this fic, but it's uh, Cleave the Pin. And there's this moment in it where Roach is really, really concerned about getting back to the ship because he's worried about the health of his sourdough starter. And that has (laughs) lived with me as canon in my mind since the moment that I read it in the fic. Into the point where I went back and rewatched the show and was really surprised to discover that that wasn't in it. So I do think that that's just like peak comedy moment. It's it's such a like small moment, but it felt so true to the character to me that I was just like, anything else in this fic doesn't matter. This is the most important part. <laughs> if you're into like more comedic approaches to fic, I think you would actually like Rizzy because a lot of I think so too. Well, yeah, like the, a lot yeah. of a lot of the writers spend a lot of time um, trying to because. 
Rog is inherently such a funny character. Exactly. Um, a lot of that makes its way into the shipping as well. And we have a lot of like Roach teasing Izzy. Um, Tom and, and Jerry. Of, like them. silly kind of like miscommunications and a lot of like just ridiculous like slapstick shenanigans. Like a lot of even like a lot of the smut is very slapstick as well. Like it's quite funny. Um, I love to hear that. I, I, I'm such a weird like I feel like I'm such a weird fanfic reader because I really do love fic. I really love it. I mean, I've spent so much of my time reading it. I write it. Like, it's so great. But I am always looking for that, like, comedic undertone to cut through the tension. And I do have a recommendation, yeah. but it's so it's I want more to hear of a all. moment. I don't remember the name of this fic. This is another Randy fic. And it is, you know, Randy, it's the one where you have such a good uh, garlic soup. Not garlic. Yeah, garlic soup. It was all of them. And you were writing such a good Archie in general. It was the one where so Roach is exhausted. Both of them are exhausted. And oh, is they... it the one where they go to the bathhouse? Yes. I don't remember what it's called, but th- there's that there's I a scene in that bathhouse um, that you will love, Rosie. I'm going to find it and I'm going to You'll, you'll find it. it and yeah, because um, garlic yeah. soup get kicked out of the bathhouse for like fucking in the bathtubs. Um, Incredible. Yeah, I, I really enjoy like like it's actually especially with like smutty fix i think that like having comedy interlaced into that is so fun and it's i mean it's always like i don't know what i'm gonna get when i open a fic so it's like hard to tell and it's hard to it's hard to find it on purpose and so but i i do i do really like that about roach's character is that i find that often even the more serious stuff um is is interplayed with an inherent comedy to like just the physicality of how he's experiencing the world and I really enjoy that so I I think you're right that I would probably really like Rizzy there is a so okay this technically is a Rizzy recommendation but it's not so much on the Rizzy um so there's this uh this writer who I think is really funny I think you might enjoy a lot of their work um their name is Yulena uh on AO3 um and they have this fic called, they're mostly a, a, an Oasey writer, Frenchy Izzy writer, but they have this fic. It's technically Rizzy, but m- not so much. And it's called Cancelled. And it is one of the funniest fics I've read. And the, so the premise is that um, Izzy and Edward have split up, like they've divorced, question mark? Izzy's not sure exactly. But um, Edward has moved in with Steed. Uh, however, um their their Amazon account is still linked to Izzy, so when they make a purchase, he sees it. Um, and so and you have like the funniest Izzy, who's like not really tech, not good with tech, so he's like fumbling with his phone and he's trying to get everybody to help him. Jim and friends, you're like trying to help him figure that out. Lucius is there. Um, it's a preseason two fic, um, and so he starts learning how to like cancel some orders. Um when they pass through and let others and it is one of the funniest fics i've read ever it's so good it's so good i Amazing. fully recommend that one and it is technically rizzy but not like the there's not a lot of focus on it but it is it doesn't end rizzy so technically it is in amazing in theme. i love it that sounds amazing. Oh, you've just reminded me as well, um, just on like Izzy and technology, because I think like that is very funny fodder for like modern AU in general. Um, but I have like a DDR AU 
So basically, like, <laughs> Izzy is, like, a really intense, like, DDR player at the local arcade, and he has, like, his, like, That's DDR. That's, like, the most real thing I've ever heard. I don't, I don't tend to like modern AU, so I tend to filter it out, but that... I'm re- I'm reading that like immediately. That's so funny. That's like He's, that's like, so, so into it. Like so sweatband, like yes. workout clothes, like that's, at the thing. That's um, canon. But he like arrives one day and there's like a guy on his machine and he gets really angry about it. And so you know how like on the leaderboard there's like you get six um like letters mm-hmm. and you get like five names on the leaderboard. The two of them start like playing DDR, but like spelling messages to each other on the leaderboard. That's amazing. I'm oh my gosh. That. That's I'm so gonna have yeah. And what's That's, that called? Um, I think it is just called DDR AU from okay. memory. <laughs> you do have that as a SMAO as well. It's a different story, but there's a SMAO, an SMAU, and a fake on AU3. Yeah. The fake is complete, but the I never ended would up we, finishing the Would we snow. designate the leaderboard on a DDR arcade? Would we designate that social media? That's a good <laughs> well, question. Yeah. But there's also like on the on the smile, there's like people who go specifically because like Roach is like a break dancer as well. Mm-hmm. So he's like pulling out all these moves. Um and uh, like some of the smile is just like people's Snapchats of him like doing stuff. That's so funny. I can't wait to read that. That sounds incredible. That sounds great. That's Uh, really funny. Okay, so I do, if people don't have recommendations, I do have two more. Okay, um, yes, bring them. That I thought Randy would recommend, but apparently not. So one of them is the Roach-centric ficlets, um, which is a which is a collection of Roach-centric ficlets. I don't know why I'm talking about this. It should have been Randy. So you, you know, you started uh, exploring Roach through them. Um, and I do have a favorite, um, which is there is one in there. I don't remember what it's called, but it talks about Roach trying to save Izzy, who has been shot, funny enough. Um, and so he gets to the point where it's like, oh, something has changed. I was taught, I taught myself to not care about people like, you know, people live and die, but now I actually care about this person. Um, that that uh, has a really, really lovely fix. Some of them are funny. Some of them are a little bit more serious. And the other one is the season three fix it, um, which is Roach and the Aunties, which we kind of like talked about a little bit in the beginning. Um, and it is Roach at um, Zeng's ship. Uh, and then they visit his mom with Izzy. Uh, awesome. That's it. Yay! So we got some great recs. Um, I think this is a great time to wrap it up. So quick, uh, tell us who wants to go for first. Uh, Rosie, what are you working on right now? What are you doing? What do you want to hype? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah. Um, so I, uh, you can find me on social media at Rosie Thor pretty much everywhere. Um, Rosie is spelled weird. It's R-O-S-I-E-E and T-H-O-R. Um, I am working on books. I write books and, and stuff for a living. So, you know, come check me out, come check out my books. Um, I have, a, an announcement coming soon, Yay! um, for my next book, uh, which is technically professional fan fiction that I got paid to write for another beloved series canceled too soon so um check it out uh i'll get to announce it eventually i don't know when exactly but uh yeah if you want to follow along and find out what it is uh, i'm at at rosie thor everywhere yay thank you so much rosie and Lacey. where can people find you where are you at what are you working on you can find me at official joy goblin on instagram and just joy goblin on tiktok um 
right now I'm not working on any fan works, just continuing to support the Renew as a crew campaign. Perfect. And Irene, what are you working on? Where can people find you? Uh, I am at Neo, uh, two underscores pessimist on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Bananatol, like uh, on uh, AO3, although I'm not that active there. I am right now just whatever Randy comes up or whatever other people come up with that. I'm like, oh, I want to draw this. Uh, so Wonderful. And Randy, what are you working on? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, which is the only thing that I use for like fandom stuff at Royale Minute. It's all one word. And on AO3 as Bong Bing Bong. Um, and I'm working on more Roach fic, funnily enough. Yay! Beautiful. And Tony, do you want to be perceived? Do you want to be found? <laughs> uh, I suppose I can be found. If anyone's interested in a Woken Gay Pendant or any other kind of fun, nerdy jewelry, you can find me at Blue Box Imaginarium. Uh, that's as a website or on Instagram. Um, as a fan, I am at Ya Orens, which is good luck trying to find how to spell that. But uh, Y A A U R E S. Oh, I want you to work for it. No, yeah. Y A A U R E N S. There's a lot of vowels smushed together. Yeah, on Instagram. And I'm Carly. Instagram at AO3. Cool. I'm Carly L. Heath on Twitter and Instagram. I think it might be Carly Lynn Heath on Instagram, actually. And Yavid Jenkins on um, AO3. And I'm writing a whole lot of stuff. So my book is The Reckless Kind, available at bookstores everywhere. Um, and if you want to be on the show in the future, feel free to DM me because we always love to have as much of a conversation going as possible. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today. And until next time. Thank you.